morning, Jamal, Ricky, thank you for helping us to worship the Lord together uh, this morning, and others who have helped us. Uh, Chad, thank you again for the wonderful opportunity to um, uh, be at First Baptist New Orleans. You asked me if I'd ever preached here before. I'd preached here in 2019 for an associational meeting, but never on a Sunday morning, so it's good to be with you uh, here this morning. I want to draw your attention to an Old Testament passage uh, of Scripture that probably is more familiar as a hymn than it is as a text of Scripture. But it's 1 Samuel chapter 7. We get one of those old glorious hymns, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, uh, from this passage of Scripture. We sing a line in that hymn about a Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Now be honest with me. How many of you have sung that line and had no idea what you were singing about when you were singing about Ebenezer, right? We're going to find out today why we uh, can sing uh, about that. 1 Samuel chapter 7, I'm going to read in just a moment verses 2 through 12 for us in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Because it is an unfamiliar passage of Scripture, let me just uh, uh, bring us up to where we are in the Old Testament story when we arrive at 1 Samuel chapter uh, 7, uh, verse 2. We, we know that the book of 1 Samuel tells us the story about the last judge of Israel named Samuel and the first king of Israel, a man named Saul, as you know. And so it tells us this story of how Israel moved from being led by judges to being led by a king. And we know something about uh, that term judge by the title of a book, just one book before 1 Samuel, a book of our Old Testament that goes by that title, Judges. Let me tell you in one sentence what the period of the judges looked like. It's found in the last sentence of that book. The Bible says in a very succinct way, now, in those times, everyone did whatever seemed right in his or her own eyes. And that's where we begin to find our application for this text today, because we too find ourselves living in an era of time where it just seems like everyone is kind of doing whatever seems right to him or her. Am I right about that? So I think we can find some application from this text today because our time is, is not unlike their time. Really, the book of Judges tells us about this cycle that continues to happen in the life of Israel. It tells us about a time when Israel sinned. And because Israel sinned, God brought judgment upon the people of God. In most every case, the form of judgment was in a foreign invader, a foreign oppressor. And so then the people of God, Israel, begin to call out to God, God, deliver us. And God, each time, sent them a deliverer or, as the title of the book suggests, a judge. You know some of them by name. You know uh, people like uh, Gideon. We love Gideon's story. You know names like Samson. We love Samson's story. We no names like Deborah, and there, there, there are others that God raised up to be Israel's judge, to be Israel's deliverer, and so led them or delivered them from that foreign oppressor only for the people of God to sin against God again. And the cycle began 
all over again. But here's what I want you to note. That every single time the sin grew more grievous against God and the consequences more severe. So that when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're still in that cycle. But now something else has happened. In this battle that leads us up to 1 Samuel 7, the Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant has been taken in the battle. Now for them, in Old Testament Israel, the Ark of the Covenant meant for them, represented for them the very presence of God. In fact, in fact, when Eli's daughter-in-law, now we haven't mentioned Eli yet, but he's the representative leader of Israel in that day. When Eli's daughter-in-law hears the news that her father-in-law Eli has died in the battle, that her husband has died in the battle, that her brother-in-law has died in the battle, being pregnant, she goes into labor, has a child, names that child, a name that you have heard, many of you, Ichabod, because it expressed for her something of the times. The glory of God has departed. Now, I mention all of that to you because that's the scene when we read 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm in verse 2, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. I think it's going to come up on the screens, and the Bible says time went by until 20 years had passed. All right, so that story I just told you, now 20 years has, has gone by since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. And then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Now, could I just pause there and ask you to pray with me that we would reach a time in our history where people would long for the Lord in that kind of way again? Verse 3, Samuel uh, told them, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and the asterisks that are among you. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only Him. And then He will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the Baals and the asterisks and only worship the Lord. Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. When, when they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. They fasted that day, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up toward Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. The Israelites said to Samuel, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us so that he will save us from the Philistines. And then Samuel took a young lamb and offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. 
And then the men of Israel charged out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, striking them down on the, all the way to a place below beth Now, I really read all of that to you to get to verse 12. Afterward, Samuel took a stone and set it up right between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, explaining the Lord has helped us to this point. I want to talk to you today about so far, thus far, the Lord has helped us. I hope that somebody will give witness with me today that has testimony here today that so far the Lord has helped us. I was a pastor for 27 years before uh, taking uh, this role with uh, Louisiana Baptist uh, a little bit over two years ago. And as a pastor for these 27 years, I, I can tell you that I had the same conversation dozens of times, maybe reaching over a hundred times. I'm, I'm not really making that up. Had the same conversation. Now the, now, the context of the conversation would have been different each time, but the, the conversation was the same. And here's how that conversation would go. To, to put it in some real context, let, let's say that there's a couple in, in, in my church as I pastored and uh, and, and they were going through a difficult time. Let's just say for context, because this would be a, a, a context in which the conversation certainly happened, that, that the, the man and the, the, the relationship and the marriage was, uh, was diagnosed with some sort of dreaded disease. And, and from the doctor's perspective, the doctor was not giving uh, the couple any hope for his recovery. And I would visit with that couple, and somewhere in that conversation, the wife would say to me, you know, Pastor, I've seen other people do this. I've seen other people on this journey. But as for me, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I just don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And I would remind her of God's provision in the past. I would remind her of God's faithfulness. We would probably read Scripture together, and we would certainly pray together. And then I would watch her. And I would watch her with great faith go through the next weeks and months with great grace, with great faith, only to come to that inevitable time when disease would take the body and in the Lord's plans and the Lord's will, the, the gentleman would pass away. And then she would protest again. You know, Pastor, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do this. I just don't think I'm going to be able to make, there's no way that we can have a visitation and a funeral service. I just won't be able to do that. And we would pray and I would see this lady with great grace and great faith be able to make it through that only for her to protest again. You know, pastor, I just don't think I'll be able to ever return to church because every time that I return to church, I'll remember what it was like to be seated in that pew with my husband for all of those years. And, and I know others do it, but I'm not going to be able to do it. And I would watch. Before long, there she would be again with great grace and great faith. Here's what I'm saying to us today. Isn't it interesting that God always gives us grace for today? Not necessarily for tomorrow, but always for today. But then when tomorrow becomes today, 
We realize that God's grace and God's strength is there for us today. And here's one of these passages of Scripture that we need to state the conclusion before we go back to the beginning and kind of unravel that conclusion. So let me give you the conclusion of the sermon today, but, but don't get antsy on me. Just hang around here for a little bit to let me unravel this conclusion for us, okay? But here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. In fact, let's just quote it like it's given to us. So far, the Lord has helped us. So far, the Lord has helped us. Here is the conclusion of this text. Here is the conclusion of the history of Israel. Here is the conclusion of the church. And I believe that for many of you, you would give testimony today that here is the conclusion of your life. That as you worship here this morning, November the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2021, so far the Lord has helped us. Now back when all this business of COVID started, I found myself thinking, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't see how. Now looking back, so far, the Lord has helped us. Now, I remember going down to Lake Charles last year, Chad, seeing those mangled, twisted up power poles and all the trees down, thinking, I, I don't think we can get through this. So far, He's helped us. And as we've journeyed down in southeast Louisiana this time, and even now, last Sunday, I was in the most Baptist town in Louisiana. Baptist. You know about that place? I mean, literally, the place is called Baptist in, in, in uh, Tangipahoe Parish near, near Hammond. And seeing all the trees still down, all the debris. But so far, so far, the Lord has helped us. Now, let's back up a bit and, and see in this text how we got to this conclusion. And I want to remind us of some things that we already know here this morning, and, and that is that crisis, crisis has a way of calling us to consecrate ourselves to God. Crisis has a way of calling us to consecrate ourselves to God. Go back in the text here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and, and, and you'll find there in 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 verse 2. In fact, I paused at it because it, it really is the place of this scripture that began to speak to me when we read the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Could I, could I tell you that big a crisis as we've seen to find ourselves in, we're not there yet? I wish I could say we were, but we're not. The whole house of the Lord, whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. And so then Samuel gives them a prescription to follow. By the way, same prescription we need today. If you indeed are, verse 3 says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart. In other words, Samuel is saying, if, the, if you mean it, 
you're not just raising your hand, if you're not just walking the aisle, but if you mean it, here's what you've got to do. You've got to get rid of the foreign gods. And the asterisk. And you've got to dedicate yourselves to the Lord. Only worship Him. And crisis has a way of doing that to us. Has a way of consecrating ourselves, of calling us to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Just a, just a couple of things here that, that we ought to note about this prescription that, uh, that Samuel gives to the people of God. I, I want you to notice that it was exhaustive in nature. Get rid of all of the gods. For me, the date of COVID it was March 17th. I remember it March 17th because that was my dad's birthday and I had talked to my dad earlier that day. It's also that, that day in 2020 where I made that kind of annual appointment to visit my tax preparer and to go through some tax, some tax stuff. And, 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 you know, we know the expression, your phone blows up. Well, I'm in this meeting with the tax preparer. My phone is blowing up because while I've been in this meeting with the tax preparer, the governor has made the announcement that churches aren't going to meet. And pastors from all over the state of Louisiana are calling me saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so when I got back to the office, I just said, I can't return all these calls. Just everybody that called me, we're going to have a conference call at this time. And, and so we did. And, and my good friend, Eddie Wren, who's a pastor up in the north part of the state, Rayville, Louisiana, he said at the end of that conference call, he said, you know what? It's going to be okay. It may be that God is doing for us what we would not do for ourselves, and that is taking away every God we seem to have. No ball games happening during that time. No music concerts happening in those times. Casinos closed, bars closed, restaurants closed. Remember what happened in those early days of the stock market? And I return to God is to be exhaustive in nature where we get rid of all the gods. It's got to be, secondly, exclusive in nature. We, we've got to get to that place where we re return to God only and worship only Him. You know what happens when we get rid of one God? We sometimes replace it with a, another God. And so he says, worship only Him. And then notice, notice quickly a third thing about this consecration to the Lord. It was publicly expressed. There's some kind of ceremony that we read about here where they take water and they pour it out. Now, uh, commentators are really uncertain about what this might have meant. It could have been part of the fast that they are calling, and it's even uh, a fast, uh, not, not just a food fast, but of water fast. And so they are pouring out the water so as to remove that temptation. Could be that. It could be something like uh, our experience of water baptism so that there is a, uh, there's a tangible element that is being publicly expressed in the commitment that we are making. And we're going to do that here in a moment with the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, where we are publicly expressing our commitment to the Lord and His sacrifice for, for us. But it seems to me that whatever be the case, that when we are serious about renewing this focus and 
consecrating ourselves to God, that there ought to be some way that we publicly express that. So just note that. Crisis, what's good about it? It has a way of calling us to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. But here's a second truth that I want you to note to help us to arrive at this conclusion. I want you to notice that consecration to the Lord sometimes can lead us to a greater crisis. That's not what we expect to hear. That's not what we want to hear. But here's the truth, that sometimes when we get serious in our relationship to God, things don't get better, things get worse. Do you see it in the text? They consecrate themselves to the Lord. They think things are going to get better. But verse 7 says, When the enemy, the Philistines, heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, they tucked tail and ran. Nope. They ran right up. They marched right up toward Israel. And it wasn't the Philistines, but it was the Israelites that were afraid. You hear something in this text that goes like this. It might just get worse before it gets better. Now, you didn't come to worship this morning to hear something like that, did you? That it might get worse before it gets better. But that's what happens sometimes. That's what happens in this biblical text, and that's what happens in our own experience. You know, preachers have these stories that you read, that you hear, that just sort of stick with you. Let me tell you one of my stories that just sort of sticks with me. I read it, don't remember where I read it. So if you find it and say that I plagiarized it, Okay, I did. I just don't remember where I read it, but here's the story. There were a group of folks, who, a group of ladies who were studying the Old Testament book of Malachi. They came to Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, that tells us that God sits as a purifier and a refiner of silver. They begin to think about and to talk about and to wonder about whatever can that mean in our relationship to God. One of the ladies volunteered by, by next Bible study, we're going we're gonna to visit a, a silversmith and we're going to find out what that might communicate to us in the text. She didn't tell the silversmith the reason for her visit. She just said she was interested in the silversmith process. And so she visited the silversmith and she watched him and she began to ask questions as he as she watched him do his craft, and she said, no, no, why is it that you, that you sit there? Can't you just place the metal in the fire and, and leave it and come back later? He said, oh, no, no, no. I, I've got to sit and watch because it's got to be in the hottest part of the flame, and i got to make sure it stays in the hottest part of the flame. I begin to speak to her. But then he, but then he said, and, and, and it can't stay in the fire one second too long, for if it does, it will be destroyed, and I will have to start all over again. I began to speak to her. But then she said, well, I, I, I understand all of this, but, but tell me this, if all of this is true, how do you know? How do you know when it's ready? He smiled, and he said, oh, that's the easy part. I know that it's ready to come out of the fire 
when I see my reflection in the metal? Could it be? Could it be? God leaves us in the crisis so that we will be more like Him. And the crisis comes to an end. And He begins to see His reflection in us. Could I tell you something today? If I would just be real honest with you, all that we've been through, in some respects, has brought about an ugliness from out of us. It, it's shown us some weaknesses in our discipleship. Shown us some blind spots that, that we have. I may get in trouble, but I'm, I'm leaving here when this is over. But the debates that we've had over masks in the church, not in society, in the church. Pastor, I, I'm ashamed to say this today. There's been pastors who have been fired from their churches in the state of Louisiana because of the way that they have dealt with the mask issue. Vaccines. How we've let that be an issue in the church, I think reveals to us God hasn't seen His image in us just yet. So, it may get worse before it gets better. But can I remind you today that that may be okay because greater crisis calls us to cry out to God even more. I love this part where they say to Samuel, don't stop crying out to the Lord. And I kind of like to add a now there because I think that's the expression. Don't, don't stop now, Samuel. Don't stop now. You've brought us this far as our leader, but don't stop crying out to the Lord on our behalf now. And we've got to move along, but let me just say that to us today. Don't stop now. Don't, don't stop crying out to the Lord. The crisis may be getting greater, but don't, don't stop now because great crisis causes us to confirm God's faithfulness. We end up where we started. In verse 12, and Samuel leads the people to travel back, to think back and, and, to, and to say, so far, the Lord has helped us. I developed this in my preaching a, a few years ago. Don't really remember how it happened. It just sort of happened. And uh, I, I became so accustomed to it that, that, that it's just hard for me to preach without asking the same question every single time. And that question is, so what? So what? What does this mean for us today? How do we take this not just as a Bible lesson, and, uh, but, but, but leave here and, and, and move us to do something, to do something? How do we take this information and let it become transformation in our lives? So real quickly, let me give you the so what of this Bible passage. Number one, I, I want to invite you to travel back in your mind just a bit. Would you do that with me? 
just as we conclude our service here through the remaining moments, just travel back in your mind and go to some place where you know that the Lord helped you. I, I got several of those places. Let me just take you, let me just take you to one real quickly this morning. And I travel back in my mind to remind myself of the Lord's faithfulness. I go back to 2016 in my life. 2016 was something of my own personal 2020. And now 2021. 2016, I was pastor in Lafayette, and, and Lafayette flooded, if you remember that. And we had about 54, if I recall the number, 54 members' homes that had water in them. It was a tough time. It's a tough time. But in the midst of that, my mother had some terrible health issues going on. My son, uh, oldest son, graduated from high school in May of 2016. My mother waited to have elective sinus surgery until he graduated. And so one week following his graduation, she had elective sinus surgery. My sister went the next morning uh, to, to pick her up. She'd uh, seen her in the room. She had got discharged. She went to get the car. And by the time she had gone to get the car, just in that brief moment, my mother had a stroke. She was in the hospital several weeks. We got her home from the hospital. About three or four days went by, and she had another stroke. She was in the hospital a longer period of time after that stroke. She was home one week and had a heart attack, which led to having bypass surgery, and she had a third stroke in ICU the day after of having bypass surgery. So if you're counting with me in the span of about 40 days, I think, she had three strokes and a heart attack serious enough to have bypass surgery. She couldn't do the rehab that was necessary for the stroke because of the heart attack. She couldn't do the rehab that was necessary for the heart attack because of the stroke. And things were not going well. She was in Lafayette, so I developed this routine every morning of going to the hospital and feeding her breakfast because she couldn't feed herself before I'd go into the office. I was there that morning, and I don't remember what day we were, but we were multiple weeks into this, and my mother had not walked since the stroke after the heart attack, after the bypass surgery. And a new physical therapist walked in that morning. I had not seen him. He was as old as my mother, and the only reason I mention that is because that's kind of unusual in the physical therapy world, all right? They usually look like they're in high school, and this man was as old as my mother. And he walks in, and he says, Miss Horn, I'm your physical therapist today. And they tell me you're not walking. She kind of nodded her head. I don't think she was even speaking much at this time. And he said, well, Miss Horn, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and she nodded her head. And he said, well, today, you, me, and the Holy Spirit are going to walk. Now, I want to tell you, I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church, Lafayette. I'm sitting over in the corner. I don't know if he knows who I am or not. But I'm thinking to myself, don't tell my mother that. Don't tell her that. Don't, don't tell her what you know and I know isn't going to happen. Well, I wouldn't be telling you this story if that very morning 
my mother, that man, and I guess the Holy Spirit, walked across that room. Now, I don't want to paint any kind of picture for you that my mother's going to run the Boston Marathon in the morning. But I remember the doctor asking me in the midst of all of this, I developed a relationship with him. He said, in your heart of hearts, you think your mother's going to make it to 80 years old? I thought to myself, man, what kind of question is that? And I don't know, folks, if she will or not. But I know this. Today is my mother's 79th birthday. And I'm traveling back in my heart and my mind today to just say, so far, the Lord has helped us. And then as we travel back, let me give you a second assignment. We need to thank Him. I mean, if we apply this text today, We've got to raise the stone and sing the song. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Here I raise my Ebenezer. By thy help I've come. Or maybe like we sing a new song. The goodness of God all my days. I will sing of the goodness of God. And then there's a third thing that we've got to do. We've got to use this place as a launching pad to trust Him in the future. Travel back, thank Him, but trust Him. And here's what, here's, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. When we read these words, so far, he has helped us. This is not the cynic's song. This is the believer's song. In other words, Samuel's not saying, well, so far he's helped us, but tomorrow it's all going to fall apart. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that since so far we can give testimony that the Lord has helped us, why would you not trust him that he's going to help you tomorrow? Because his history has been so good in the past. Oh, and then as we come to a close, we get ready to come to this table. It's hard to read this Old Testament story and visit here this morning in this Old Testament passage about this stone of help, the Ebenezer stone, reminding ourselves that so far the Lord has helped us. It's hard to visit this passage today without turning several pages and arriving at the New Testament and reminding ourselves what those New Testament authors said of Jesus, that He was the chief corner stone the Apostle Peter who said, and all who believe in him will never, never be ashamed. Oh, thank him today that he's been our help in ages past, but he is our helper today.
the bringer of our salvation, the chief cornerstone of our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, today, we travel back in our minds. We want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you. So far, you've helped us. Let this be a launching pad for us to trust you for our future, most of which, all of which, really, is unknown. The powerful name of Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Amen.